I wanted to open today's podcast with a little bit of a content warning. Today we're going to be talking about school shootings. It's something that's upsetting for all of us and a hard thing to talk about. So if you've listened to this podcast for any time at all, then you know that one of the ways Cadence and I like to diffuse some of the difficulty in parents and kids talking about things like sex and drugs and the trouble that teenagers get into is by using humor. But there are some conversations for which that's not the best approach, and this is one of those. So you'll be seeing a little bit more serious side of our relationship and a little bit more serious topic. So if the topic of school shootings is distressing and upsetting for you, please feel free to skip this episode, and we'll see you next week when we'll be silly again. I am, like, so, so frustrated that I have to go to school every single day and be afraid for my life. Like, I am trying to get an education so I can be a doctor and help people. And the fact that I can't do that without being terrified for my life, that is bullshit. I should not have to deal with that. Coffee with my mom. A podcast about family, life, and talking to our teenagers. Because teenagers are going to save the world. And that is true. And that is actually the topic of this episode. This is episode five, and we are going to talk about school shootings. We. The sad truth about this episode is when we started this podcast, we made a long list of topics that we would want to talk about over the coming year. Yeah. And we put school shootings on the list. That was one of the ones that I really hoped we wouldn't have to talk about because they'd slow down, but I was wrong because there have been 18 this year so far. Well, and when I looked at it, what I thought as a parent was, I'm sure we'll read that after the next really impactful one happens. Yeah. And it's really sad that you can predict that that's coming. Yeah. So we're joined today by Gallen. Say hi. Hello. Oh, he's uncomfortable right now, so he's going to be a little silly. This is a little bit of a tough thing to talk about. Yeah. So what are you drinking today? I'm drinking ginger peach tea. And I'll probably get a Coke at some point later on because like, I've had like three of these so far. How about you, Gowan? What are you drinking? I'm drinking a Mr. Refresco. He's drinking a Mexican Sprite. 1994, yes. the Heco and Mexico Sprite. Uh, and I have a Coke. I'm going to need caffeine to get through this one. A Mexican Coke. So, how do you think we should open this episode? I don't know. This is, like, a tough episode to open, because generally I open it with, like, humor or some joke, but, like, I don't really want to do that with this one. That's fair. So, I have a, a post that I wrote. Yeah. That I haven't posted yet on the blog, but that I wanted to share with you guys, because it addresses some stuff that you were there for, but I don't know that you were aware of that at the time. Yeah, okay. It was 2012. My kids, that's you guys... We're Oof. seven and nine, and I have lost control of my internet Christmas shopping. When you go to the store, you can look at what's in your cart, get a feel for how much stuff you've bought, and know when it's time to stop. I was still getting the hang of doing all the shopping online, and I'd bought a thing here, a thing there, and now my bedroom closet, where I hid all the presents until Christmas, was overflowing. Thick. Every time I opened the closet, a shower of toys would topple out, knocking things over. 
falling on my bare feet and obstructing access to pretty much any of my clothes or shoes. It was a pain in the ass, and I was frankly regretting the enthusiasm of my Christmas planning. Then I read about Newtown. 26 dead in an elementary school. Babies. I tried to carry on about my day, but I was scattered, trying to absorb the information. I don't think I cried. Without thinking, I went into my bedroom, a pair of shoes in hand, and I opened up the closet. As if on cue, all of those toys came spilling out onto the floor around me, and instead of scrambling to pick them up this time, I just looked at them. We don't think about it, not every day, but that stash of toys in the closet in early December is really a bundle of anticipated moments with our children. The way his face would light up when he saw that I had finally caved in and bought him the toy. The art that she would make with her new watercolors and casually scotch tape to the walls around the house. That contented quiet of Christmas afternoon, both kids engrossed in their new gifts while Dad and I drink coffee and play cards, soaking up the peace of everyone in one place, listening to the chatter between them. Your moments are different, I'm sure, but they're there in your pile. For those families in 2012, I suddenly realized there would be a pile of gifts too. All those expected moments suddenly gone. All the toys in those closets, just meaningless junk. Worse, junk that carried the unfathomable pain of those moments lost forever. Something about that thought broke me into a thousand pieces. I'm sure I cried then, but I don't remember it. I remember a Christmas without color. I remember holding my babies close and trying as hard as I could to find joy in Christmas, but all I could see were those toys. In fact, the following Christmas, I didn't buy any toys at all. We decided as a family in 2013 to hand make all the gifts that exchanged hands, and I spent hours crafting blocks and shelves and pre-planned art projects. It was a great experience, and we all enjoyed it immensely, and by then I didn't associate it with Newtown at all. But looking back and thinking about the way that closet full of toys made me feel, I can't help but wonder whether I was still experiencing the effects of that day in 2012. A little more than five years later, and too many awful incidents to count in between, I was at work, planning to go out with my husband for Valentine's Day when I read about what happened in Parkland. I wasn't unaffected, but we started to get used to news like this. I felt sad, I felt angry, and I hated the feeling of knowing the script. A bunch of politicians would crawl out from under their rocks to pretend to care about what had happened for just long enough to reassure us that guns weren't the problem, then slink back home to collect another round of checks from the NRA. Nothing would happen. After all, after 2012, everyone was sure for a moment that this would be the turning point. Surely, once babies fell victim, we'd finally agree it had gone too far. Five years later, and it's easier to get a gun now than it was then. Still, I went on with my day, went on with my date. What else can you do? The kids came home and we talked about what had happened like we do every time another of these events takes place. The script continued, with social media highlighting the fact that many politicians said the same lines word for word as they'd said in previous shootings. I felt things. But what can you do? I carried on. Today I read a tweet from one of the kids who was hiding in that school. His brother had been there too, and in the tweet he said he hadn't always appreciated his brother, that he'd never felt anything like the relief he felt when they saw one another in the parking lot. He included a thread of texts between them, fearing for each other's safety, asking over and over, are you okay? And saying as high school brothers are not generally want to do repeatedly, I love you. My kids are now 12 and 15, and something about the whole interaction just ripped my heart out. Suddenly I couldn't help but picture them both there in that school, as afraid for each other as they were for themselves, regretting the day-to-day -day normal frictions of being siblings. I don't even know why exactly, but I shared it with my daughter. I guess I wanted to talk about it later, didn't want to forget. 
She texted me in the middle of a school day. When are they planning the walkout? There's talk of a nationwide high school walkout, and of course she wants to participate. I don't text her while she's in school, but I was suddenly so keenly aware of the world she's living in, a world where they have active shooter drills at school, where they've already been in multiple lockdowns, not knowing what's happening, whether they're safe. I remember the eerie feeling of a tornado drill when I was in school. The potential of an active shooter is as normal in their lives as the possibility of a tornado was in mine. To be honest, I think it likely that there, where I grew up in the tornado belt, there are probably a hell of a lot more regulations protecting us from tornadoes than from guns. I texted back and forth with her, helping her think of some ideas of what she and her classmates might do to feel like they were helping. Toward the end of the thread, I admonished her to wait to text me back until she wasn't in class. She responded, oof. <laughs> in class then, conversation over for now. I turned to go back to my work. I was working from home, a rare luxury these days. Suddenly, I couldn't focus on the words on the screen. My brain crowded with thoughts about the sense of loss I feel, having to live with this reality as a parent. The sense of grief that my children have only ever known this iteration of the world. The outpouring of love and pain and desire to offer some community, some solidarity with those families who have to make funeral arrangements for their teenagers. And a sense of anger so big it burned white hot. Not like the anger I'd felt after Newtown, my anger for the shooter. I'm angry at the politicians who have wrested control of our world by cheating, fraud, lies, keeping certain people from being able to vote, gerrymandering, take your pick. The powers that be aren't there because the majority of us wanted them there, and they're the reason this is happening. And at that moment, I was so angry, so heartbroken, that it rose up in me like sickness, and suddenly the words on the screen blurring in front of me, I was sobbing as if the world would end. I realized I shouldn't stay at home by myself today, that perhaps going into the office was a good idea after all. I climbed into the shower and I cried and I cried. I lost my shit entirely. In the midst of it, I asked myself, what is wrong with me? I didn't know any of those people and the state of the world is nothing new. And then there was another thought right on the heels of that. Nothing is wrong with me. This is a reasonable response to what is happening. Our children are dying. Our system is failing us. The wrong people have taken control of our world, and this is the reality they have wrought, and this is a reasonable response to that. I did pick myself up. That's what we have to do. As I did, I thought again about the conversation with my daughter, about her driving desire to do something, despite the fact that she has so little leverage on the world right now. I thought about another thing that defied the script, the voices of the kids who lived through that attack. They used social media to share what was happening as it was happening. Then they immediately used social media to start fighting back. They fired back at the insincere politicians and talking heads. This is about guns. They answered the media who wrote sympathetic headlines about the killer. I will fight whoever wrote this headline with my bare hands. They're vocal, they're educated and prepared, and they're not fucking around. Adults who have lived through these events are often quiet in the aftermath. They're traumatized and they have their own stuff to sort out. But humans, we adapt. It's our superpower. And our children are the best of us. They're a living, breathing adaptation to this bullshit. They are just as traumatized, just as broken over what has happened. But they've lived in this reality their whole lives. Social media are their tools. And they are as angry as they are hurt. They are warriors out there trying to piece together their own sense of security, of community. They understand social media, and they know that now, for just a minute, the megaphone is theirs, and they're using it. And their syntax, 
their rawness and authenticity, their adeptness with these communication tools, and their spirit is so like my daughter that it rips my heart out of my chest. I spend some measured amount of my time at work making the case for the coming generations, trying to help the older generation understand that the younger generations speak a different language, that if you speak the right language and don't undercut them, they are powerhouses, that they aren't the problem everyone accuses them of being. We call it the millennial problem, and I work very hard to be their best advocate. But for all that I believe the millennials to be an, adapta an adaptation to an incredible set of tools, to be an amazingly astute, educated, and able generation of people, I think the generation coming up behind the millennials may just be the best of us. I hope I'm right, because it's going to take a whole generation of fucking superheroes to fix the mess we're leaving behind us. I read a post on Instagram. It was like a mom, I don't remember her username, but um, she said that her eight-year-old daughter came home from like whatever grade eight-year-olds are in and she was just like sobbing and she was like mom I need new shoes and the mom thought that maybe she had been made fun of for her shoes but then she was like what's wrong and then she said that she was worried that the light-up shoes would let the shooter know where she was and this is an eight-year-old girl and she's worried about being like shot in her school and like that's not okay it's not okay And I think that's the hardest part about being parents and talking to you guys about this stuff is that we can't tell you that it's fair or that it's right or that it's, it's okay. not. There was a boy at the Florida shooting and he like stood in front of the door and took 20 bullets for his classmates. They and gave, mm -hmm. they gave him mm -hmm. a military funeral. Yeah. It just feels like as kids, like you guys didn't have to worry about this sort of stuff. You they did not like got to run around and go to the mall and like do all this but I I went to school after the shooting and my friend Ryan he told me that after every shooting he was so scared to come to school and like that just really affected me because he's one of my best friends and nothing scares him ever and he makes jokes about everything but he refuses to make jokes about school shootings because it's so real to him it's real to all of us yeah so do you guys do so each of you separately can answer me this do you do any kind of active shooter drills at um, school at pathfinder we did like lockdown drills mm -hmm. and we, um shelter in place we do a lot you do active shooter drills at Pathfinder? Mm -hmm. um, we haven't done any active shooter drills at West Seattle High School. Do you do like lockdown drills or anything? Mm -hmm. We do like um, fire drills, but that's it. Right. Yeah. So tell me more about what the active shooter drills are like at Pathfinder. So it's very similar to what you just said. Mm -hmm. Like teachers close the windows, like the, um, the windows in the door have a fiber mesh in between the two panes of glass so that no one can reach through and open the door. Mm -hmm. um, we close that up, we lock the door. Turn all the lights <clears throat> off. Yeah, turn off all the lights off and hide underneath the tables. In Amy's classroom, I think we flipped the tables over so we could hide behind them. And then we hid in corners of the room where people couldn't see us. So what does that feel like when you're doing that? Does it just feel like a fire drill, or does it feel scary? It feels scary. It's It sounds bad since it's just a drill. But no, like, honey, that's not bad. 
There's no shame in that feeling scary. Because, like, for me, like, earthquake, earthquake, earthquake drills and fire drills never seemed scary. They're, like, opportunities to go out and talk with your friends. Because, like, a fire and an earthquake, as scary as they may, may be, like, there's not a fire or an earthquake right now. Well, and it's different, I think, because there's a wrongness to this that... You know, I grew up with tornado drills, mm-hmm. and, I mean, tornadoes happened. Yeah, right? we, your people father, died from tornadoes. Your and father saw a funnel cloud right by mm-hmm. where he lived, and he, he lived in a trailer park mm-hmm. where that's where a tornado is the most dangerous Yeah, because those structures don't protect you and the way that a house might. During a drill, um, you're always on your toes because they never say, like, this is a drill. Right. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's... Um, at the shooting in Florida, they actually thought it was a drill because they had so many drills and they practiced so much yeah. that they thought it was a drill until it wasn't. some of them saw people who were shot. But with a, with a tornado drill, the thing about it is... That's just nature. That just happens. That's right. That's but a thing that's external that happens <clears throat> that we don't have control over. I think... Like, the only thing that we can do is become more educated and build stronger buildings. Yeah. But with shootings, I I feel like until, like, kids started speaking out about this sort of thing, it was becoming just, like, natural. Because, like... That's true. I, I had a really hard time the first couple shootings, <laughs> even though I was, like, seven. Well, and you say the first couple, but, I mean, this has been going on since before you were born. I know. The first couple that I heard about. Columbine High School was in the year 2000, three years before you were born. Yeah. Um, I just feel like now they're just becoming like a routine thing. Like, oh, there was an earthquake. Mm -hmm. Oh, there was a shooting, right? Like, Mm -hmm. now they don't affect us as much. But I feel like I wasn't on... I don't know why the other shootings have not been spoken up like this. Because, like, they were teenagers, and they were kids, and they were parents, but I don't know what about this specific high school it was, but they spoke up, and I feel like it's because I think my generation has just kind of reached a breaking point. Like, we can't do it anymore. There's no way that we are going to just sit down and be quiet about this anymore, because this sounds accusatory and rude, but it's the older generations that are letting this happen and I say this in class a lot but I feel like it's so unfair that the older generations get to run the world because they are ruining our world and like ruining the environment and they're gonna leave us with a shitty economy and like a shitty government and a shitty world and they're just like here like take it it's like if your grandma like gives you like this old shitty blanket and expects you to use it right like you don't want to be a jerk about it and be like I don't want your blanket but I feel like by now our society is just so broken and so ruined that our generation is gonna have to deal with that right we have to take it and we have to fix the blanket somehow and this and all the older generations they just keep shitting on it say like oh well it doesn't matter because we're not gonna be around to see that no because they're all gonna die and leave us with this like bad world and it's like if your only blanket 
is a blanket that's been used by past generations, and the last generation is like, oh, well, I'm not going to be using this blanket anymore. So whatever, I just Might fart as well all up in it. just pee in it. Yeah. So, like, and I feel like in the washer. my generation, I don't know what's going to happen, but my generation, we're going to do something. And whether that's break this government down and fix it, um, or just build a new government, I feel like we are going to do something with this because this is not okay with us. Like, what's going on with the gun lobbies running the government and the people that got in by cheating and all of that, like, it's not okay with us because it's ruining the world that we're going to be left with. And, and we sure, have to turn this anarchy into a democracy. Yeah. And well, I, but that's... So this is, this is one of the hard parts... Of, of being in charge of the world. Yeah. Is that you're right that a democracy makes sense, right? It just has to be. It's like, well, it's the, like communism. Because, like. So, democracy makes sense, but what happens if more than half of the people want a thing that isn't right? You shut them up and send them to Mars. How? <laughs> That's not a real thing, by the it's way. It's not a real thing. No, but, like, I don't know. I feel like. And how do, you, how do you decide what's right? Yeah, there was something I heard that I don't know if it was by dad or... I think it was from dad that said, what if we just... What if we didn't teach people about, like, ed, like religion and, like, stuff like that until they were older? And then that way they could pick if they wanted to live that religion. Instead of and it just being... Instead of in, it just being the way of well, things. But, but then, does that mean that it was wrong when we used to run around and hunt for spring eggs and talk about the fairies stealing the spring eggs and no, taking out fairy milk? I mean, where do you draw the line? Because some kids have Easter, and that's yeah. very much their religion. If if both parents really strongly believe in that religion, then, yeah. then it's is hard it for fair it. for us to tell yeah. them they can't share that with their child? Yeah. I it's don't a know. very complex thing. It's, it's sticky. It's sticky and it's complex. I, I don't want to say this generation's just going to fix it all, right? Because we're going to struggle with things too. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, this generation is the generation that can take things and build them out of nothing. And I feel like people in this generation are going to... We're going to figure stuff out. We have to get our shit in a bag and figure it out. And we have more figuring out to do than a lot of other generations. But I feel like we talked about social media last episode. And I feel like social media and all that, like the internet, is teaching us how to build things. And it's letting us be informed. And sure, it can be turned into this negative thing. But I think it's also teaching us how to, how to speak out for ourselves and like advocate for ourselves right now when no one will advocate for us. I think that's fair. The older generations always accuse us of being um, like on our phones and not aware of the world around us. And if we just put our music in and listen to that instead of listening to the world around us, then we're just kind of like, we're not being aware of what's going on. But I feel like this kind of revolution being led by teens is like the best possible thing. Because not only is it showing that we're not just on our phones, we care, we're listening, but being on our phones is, I'm not saying it's what is allowing us to be that way, but it's helping us in a lot of ways. So talking about the way that the internet is being used, I think is interesting because I think we're seeing very much a double-edged sword here. 
because on the one hand, social media is the thing that's allowing these teenagers to speak out. Yeah. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful that they are able to be heard in the way that they're being heard. Yeah. The flip side of that is that also there are forces who are making the argument that they aren't really students of that school, that the shooting never happened, that uh, they're actors who go from place to place and, and speak at these events because Democrats want to change gun law and that we're using these kids to do that. That's stupid. Okay, that's that the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's just because they don't want to let their guns go. That, sure. They care more about guns than they do about their children. What if it was their children being shot? And really What if there was their guns being shot? What would they do? What if what if their guns were being shot by our babies? Would they want to ban our babies? Okay, that's a weird question. But. That's a weird question. I think it kind of counteracts your point. I feel like I am so done with that mindset. That but mindset the point is, that people who are like, I don't want to take your guns. I just want, I want people to stop dying. Like I don't care if you have guns. I don't care. But, but just stop killing people. But the point is that with social media, we have this whole fake news idea mm-hmm. that there are people now in the world who the only information they have been presented with is that this is not real, is that this is something that's just a publicity stunt of some kind. I think that's because they refuse to open their minds about this sort of thing. But there are some people who believe that because that's all of the information that they're being presented with. And that is also a product of social media. Sure, but... Right? Because they only follow people who uh, reflect their same point of view. Yeah. And... They surround themselves with this, and now there are all of these, like, quote-unquote news articles that present the situation in that light, and there really are people who that's what they believe. So stupid. So how do we combat that? For a lot of teens, we don't really know how to get involved in the real world, necessarily, because there are all these walkouts and all these marches, but this is the first time that I've heard about this sort of thing. I've heard about the Women's March and like um, Black Lives Matter marches and all that, but I haven't heard about a march for school shootings, and that's probably just because I haven't been paying attention, but this is the first time that that sort of stuff has showed up in my feed, and I've seen it, and I feel like it's... Social media... (laughs) This is turning into an episode about social media again, but... It's going to be heavy in this podcast. I feel like it's part of the world that we live in. Social media is a way to communicate, and sure, it does have these negative, bad things, but it also kind of um, it allows those of us who don't really know how to get involved in the real world to get involved. But I think one of the problems in this conversation is that when we talk about social media, then I will bring you things about social media that are problematic, things that we need to figure out, things that we need to be aware of, things that we need to solve. And you always default to a position of defense of social media, (laughs) right? Saying, well, we can't say social media is bad because, or we can't take away social media because. That's really just because I don't know how to fix it. Well, I hear that. And I just kind of default back to my, like, I... I don't know, right? Cause but like, something yeah. can have inherent problems, and that doesn't mean that the thing is inherently bad. Yeah. But we can't 
I feel like if we take a black and white view of saying either social media is evil and it needs to be gone, yeah. or it's wonderful and we have to defend it with everything we're worth and we don't need to fix anything, yeah. and neither one of those stances is right. No. Um, I feel like you're right that it's somewhere in the middle. It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. It does good things and it does bad I was just, things. I was just using the takeaway social media as a point. Ooh, I hear that, but again, kind of what you come back to is, well, yeah, but the good things about social media yeah. are, and I hear that, and I mm-hmm. agree that using social media to organize and to be politically active and to keep yourself educated, that's all great. But, you know, a hard part is, so those people who believe that these kids are, are crisis actors... That's a hefty minority, in my opinion. Sure it is, but those people who believe that, you know, it's easy to say that they're stupid. But chances are, at some point in time, you have believed a thing you have read because all of your friends were sharing it, yeah. and it seemed very true, and it was not. Yeah. And that's problematic. Yeah. You're right. What do you think about all this, Gowan? I think that social media is a double-edged sword. I don't really know what to say. So, are you afraid to go to school now? Mostly. Mostly? You're mostly afraid to go to school? That's fair. Tell me more about it. Well, I just feel like all these terrible things have happened, and I feel like I've had the good luck to avoid almost all the terrible events that have happened, so it feels like what goes around comes around. Karma's gonna come my way. (sighs) Okay, let's talk about that, because that's really good to talk about. Okay, so we talk about the fact that there have been 17, 18 school shootings this year, right? And it's only February. It's a lot for a country. But it's important that we remember there are many, many, many schools in this country. So it's easy to get the feeling when we keep seeing this in the news all the time, all the time, all the time. It's easy to have that feeling that, like, it's only a matter of time before it happens at your school and that, you know, this is something that's eventually going to happen at all schools. But when you understand how many schools there really are, I think it's important to realize that the odds are still in our favor. And think about this. Pathfinder, the school that I go to, is very accepting to pretty much everyone. It doesn't, like doesn't teach people that gay is bad. It doesn't, like, it's very encouraging of these things Mm -hmm. that a lot of people think are evil or whatever. And so I feel like Pathfinder would be a very great target for something like that. I hear that. But, again, you'd also have to know enough about Pathfinder to know that, right, Mm -hmm. that they are so vocally accepting of so many things. I, I hear you, and I understand why it's scary for you. I but just, it, it's mm. important to understand that the likelihood of being involved in something like this is still much, much lower than, say, being in a car accident yeah, or things like that. And yet we're not afraid every time we get in a car, right? Mm-hmm. Even though many, many people are injured really badly in car accidents. And yet we're not afraid to get in a car. But the odds that that you would be injured in a car accident are way more than that, you know, that was, I know I kept reading the stats of what are the odds you'll be harmed in a terrorist attack, right? Not. 
and you're more likely to win the lottery. So it's important to understand just how many people there are because one of the things that's wonderful about the internet and social media is that it can make the world feel very small. So these kids in Florida, they feel like our neighbors. Right? They feel like like kids that that could live right across town. Yeah. And it's wonderful that we feel that way and that we feel that close. But it's also important that we remember how many, many, many people there are in our country. But to say, like, the odds are so low, so our school will never be shot up, no. that's no. that's just unreasonable. I, I understand what you're saying, but I feel like it's easy to have this sense that, like, you know, within the next couple of years, like, every school in the country is going to be shot up, right? And the truth is that it's still... It's still a reasonably rare thing. And I'm not saying you should just take it for granted that you're going to be fine and that you're going to be safe. I understand why you feel afraid. But it's important that we recognize that uh, this isn't like something that just, you know, is just a matter of time and it's going to happen to you. No, but that also doesn't mean that it's less important to know about this sort of thing. Because you said it's easy to think that they were just like kids. They are kids that live down the road and that's the good thing but i through social media i don't know why but i feel this kind of connection to every person that is on there sure because we all have at least one common factor that we use the same like kind of social media thing right and it's it's kind of silly but like i feel like people say that your followers aren't your friends right Mm -hmm. but this could just be me being kind of like a hippie, but I feel like a connection to everybody. Like, so what if someone followed you who was one of those people who believes that those kids are just actors? I. That's a tough one. I don't think that ugh, anything bad should happen to them. No, of course not. <laughs> but uh, and I'm not asking. Do you think something terrible should happen to them? I'm no. asking. Do you feel connected to them? Are they your friend? I feel like in some ways, yes. They're like that friend that you don't agree with everything they say. Because I've had friends like that. I've had friends that, um, like, didn't have the same beliefs as me. And that was okay because we just didn't talk about it. And I think that it it, it was kind of problematic because, like, if you just don't talk about what you believe in because you don't want to get in arguments, like, if that's... Because I have friends that very much the mechanic of my relationship is talking about what I believe in. And then I, I had friends, at least last year, I don't really have any this year, mm-hmm. but I had friends at least last year that I just, I disagreed so strongly with their moral beliefs that, like, I had a hard time being friends with them, but then we just stopped talking about that stuff and it all kind of went away. There's there's one there's one side of the argument that I know you're about to argue right now mm-hmm. is that like if you just don't talk about your what you believe in then like what's the point well, of there's a friendship? A middle, there's a middle ground, right? Yeah. Because there's some place where you have lots to share and mm-hmm. you just don't share these particular things. But it is true that the more you get to a place where you can't share anything, yeah. the more you get to a place where like you don't want to say where you were last weekend because it was the pride parade yeah. and you can't 
talk about your girlfriend because it's someone who doesn't accept people who are girls who date other girls. Yeah. And I don't talk to all my followers or anything like that. But right, like, but I'm saying it's easy to just have this attitude and go, well, all of my followers are beautiful people. And they're not they necessarily. But the truth is, all of your followers are people. Yeah. And some of those kids at that Florida school, if you walked in that door, some of those kids, if, if you walked in the door of their school and their school had never been shot and we had no reason to feel uh, this solidarity that yeah. we feel, some of those kids would be kids that you would meet and make friends with and hang out with. And some of those kids are kids that would annoy you and would irritate you and that would have opinions that drive you nuts. Yeah. And yeah, I know some people like that. And the reason that I say this is because it's easy to either feel like everybody on the internet is a jerk and they're all out to get yeah. us, or everybody on the internet is wonderful and we're all together and we're a big happy family. But the truth of it is, everyone on the internet is just a person. Yeah. They're all just people. And however you feel about the body of West Seattle High, that's kind of how the world is. Yeah. They're jerks and there are awesome people and everything in between. And the truth is, your followers, some of them are jerks, and some of them are awesome people, and everything yeah. in between. But because they chose to follow you, they probably have more in common with you than not, and that's great. But my point there is just, it's right, and it's good that you feel connected with the kids at Parkland, in Parkland. But don't be fooled by to, into thinking that all of this solidarity on the internet means that everybody in the world is... is uh, a good combination with you and is yeah. a great no, person and is I your just, best friend. I feel like there's... I, I agree with that. I agree with that. That even if they believe in something I don't believe in and even if they're jerks and even if they're like whatever, I feel like in some ways like I don't know how to explain it. In some ways they're still like Human beings? Hum yeah, human Absolutely beings. Absolutely they are. And I feel like even if I disagree with them and I don't like their opinion and all that, I I still feel like a kind of a connection with them because, like, they're human beings and, like, I... But this whole conversation wasn't about feeling connected to no. them or not. It was about feeling like the world is small. Yeah. It's about feeling like those people in your feed are all the people, yeah. right? Because Gowan had the feeling that it's only a matter of time before someone comes and shoots his school mm -hmm. because he reads about school shootings on a regular basis. That the world is a really big place, much bigger than you realize when you look at social media. It is. It is. But at the same time, not so big. It is. It's very big. There's so many schools that you don't read about every day. Just like all the people in this country did not read anything about Pathfinder today. They did not read anything about West Seattle High today. But they did not I, read anything about Gateway Elementary today. Gatewood Elementary today. I 100% I agree with that. They did not read anything about Schmitz Park Elementary today. Those aren't even all the schools in our part of our city. No, but I definitely do. I understand that pressure of like, how long? How how long do we have to go 
before it's our school, right? And I feel like, in a way, like, I am so... There are so many people that are angry about this and are, like, they're doing things. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I am so disappointed in the people that aren't because how long does it have to be until it's their children? Mm -hmm. Because, sure, there are so many people and this world is huge, Mm -hmm. but how long do we have to wait for something to be done before it's your children, right? And, like, I, I get that, but I feel like, in a way... That, it is very reassuring to me that there are lots of schools. But I I disagree with the idea that we should use fear to get people into action, right? But I feel like fear is one of the things... I sound like a dictator. Fear is one of the things that makes people do things. Sure, but you have to understand there's a difference between talking to a legislator yeah. who's refusing to make a law yeah. or talking to a gun lobbyist versus talking, talking to, to your a child. seventh yeah. grader. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. My 7th grader just told me that he's mostly scared to go to school. I am too, and every... Okay, so every... now my ninth grader also just told me she's mostly scared to go to school. And so, but, again, I realize that this is a reality in your world and in your life, but talking about the statistics and talking about the fact that you are you are still statistically unlikely to have to actually personally deal with this. 100%. This doesn't mean it's not a problem. This is an unacceptable problem in our country. Here's here's the thing. If you have a bow and you're trying to shoot down every target, even if there's a thousand targets, as long as you have enough time, you have enough arrows, you're going to shoot them all down. I hear you. But I want you to understand that this isn't happening to every school. This it's isn't not. this isn't something that that this isn't a bow in the same room as you and a target. It's not. I understand that this is a reality for you guys and I yeah. understand how terrifying that is because you know, this is also a reality for moms today. Yeah. That we have to send our kids to school and wonder if they're going to be okay. Um, there was a threat at West Seattle High earlier yep. this year. Yep. And I was very much aware of that. Me too. And then you had homecoming dance, like the, the couple of days the after. Next yeah. day. And I can remember dropping you off and being terrified mm-hmm. because I, you know, felt like a dance could be an opportunity for someone who had an axe to grind. 100%. Yeah. And I remember dropping you off, and I said to your dad in the car after we dropped you off, I said, it is just ridiculous that, you know, when I was a kid and my mom dropped me off at a dance, my mom watched me in my little high heels and my little skirt go run off into the school, and she thought, I hope she doesn't choose to smoke marijuana tonight. I hope she doesn't choose to have sex tonight. And while I watched you run into that school, I thought, I just hope everything is okay. I hope that she is safe there tonight. And that yeah. that is awful. That that's is awful, yeah. but that's the reality. I am, like, so, so frustrated that... I have to go to school every single day and be afraid for my life. Like, I am trying to get an education so I can be a doctor and help people. And the fact that I can't do that without being terrified for my life, that is bullshit. 
I should not have to deal with that. If your gun is more important than the life of children, you need to be sent somewhere else, because that's not okay. Right, like, there are all these politicians, and I understand that money is important. These people that are, like, allowing this stuff to go on, their guns and their money is more important than the lives of teenagers. And that's not okay. Like, how, how long does it have to go on? How many people have to die before you set your gun down and you stop taking money from these corporations that are allowing mentally hurt people to get guns? Like, how long do we have to live through this before, like, do we have to wait for that whole generation to die? Like, is that how long we have to wait? It's not cool, and it's not fair, and it's not well, right. and let's be honest, because your generation, as wonderful as they are, it's not like there aren't people in no. your generation who will do the same thing. No, you're not wrong, but... Right, because people are people are people, and yeah. I think... That, you know, your generation, you are right now doing a better job at speaking out about these yeah. things and making noise yeah, about these things. I'm, I'm not saying that our generation... But there are still people in your generation who could become lawmakers and take the money. Yeah. You're not wrong. You know, it's not just we'll a We'll cross that of, bridge when we get to it, right? right? But again, the point is, you still have a fight. You still have yeah. a fight ahead of you. It's oh, no, no like matter what, we'll always as, be fighting. It's not like as soon as your your generation inherits the earth no, that everything is going to become utopian. No, it's really not. And I'm, I'm just saying that right now, this is the problem that we're faced with. And I'm not saying that our generation is going to take the world and make it perfect, right? Because that is not the truth. Because you were right, that people are people are people, and... I've had friends that said that we will take this world and make it into a perfect world, but that's an unrealistic expectation because... This world is really, really broken. Yeah, it's... It, you're not wrong. Right now, this is the challenge that we're being faced with, and I feel like this is almost like... I don't know if you do this in school, Gowan, but I have an entry task every day in history class. I have an entry task, and I have to complete the entry task, and then I can go on to the main lesson and so I feel like this is one of those entry tasks right like I have to do this so that I can be seen as someone who's not just stuck on my phone all do day do what what are you gonna do I don't know I feel like <laughs> there's I'm still figuring out what I have to do I want to like get out and like do all these walkouts and like somehow become so active doing and the walkouts is good being a, a body in a group of bodies showing yeah. that we we all think something but i like i don't know i have a lot to say and i like i this podcast is great but this is like we have like 400 downloads which is a big deal but that's not as many people as mm, i would this like is, to this reach. is not the megaphone no. you're looking for this is not a political megaphone i, I almost want to like schedule something where like people can get up and talk mm -hmm. about it because like that would be cool like if there was something like at the march or something that would kids got mm -hmm. up and talked about how they felt about it like almost like the scene in Mean Girls where they all got up and talked about how they felt mm -hmm. right I almost want something like that because in this world there is so much toxicity and there's so much pain and suffering and hunger and death and I'm not sympathizing with any of the shooters because they were all bad people in a way. Mm -hmm. But if, I can't help but wonder, like, if we 
somehow managed to give those kids love, taught them right from wrong, and if they were mentally hurt, then give them the help they need, right? How many more shootings would we have, right? Or like, well, even so, I think it's important to recognize here, though, that mental health is a big issue. Yeah, and in our country, we're not doing right no. by the people who need help. Yeah, but. Even if we did a really great job at helping There would people, still be people. There are always going to be I know. people who have problems that don't get caught by that net. Yeah, because one of the unfortunate truths is that one of the things that can happen when someone is really struggling in that way is that they pull away. Yeah. And the more that they pull away, the harder, the it, harder is. it is yeah. to recognize and identify and get them into that system. Yeah. And then you start having questions like, what if someone has mental health issues and doesn't want to be a part of that system? Yeah. Should you force them? Can you force them? It's like the thing where you just throw, like, women into the, like, mental hospital, right? Like, right. So so I think as much as it's important that we put more effort into yeah. that and that we do a better job, the truth is that when we're talking about things like shootings, it's it's making it harder to get guns. Yeah. It's going to be, I think, oh, our, yeah. no, 100%. our most our most effective action we can take mm-hmm. yeah. for the reason that we're not going to stop there from being people that are who hurting have, yeah. who are hurting exactly cuz i although i think that it's great to have the mm-hmm. the intention of doing that yeah i this is kind of a tricky thing to pick my way around so i'm going to do my best mm-hmm. but there are all these things that are people sympathizing with the shooters. And I'm not sympathizing with the shooters because what they do is bad. Like, there are other ways to express your feelings than shooting people, and I understand that. But in a way, to I'm really trying not to be insensitive. To, like, feel like you're pushed to that extent that you need to hurt other people, that is a broken person. And I feel like that is I don't know what to say. It's okay. Um that's I That's problematic. It's problematic. Yeah, it's very problematic for someone. It's problematic that people get that loss. Yeah. And it's problematic that we uh, aren't catching people before they fall that far. Yeah. Again, there will always be there people who always, won't yes. be caught, but we could be doing more than we are and yeah. we're not. Yeah, and that's I problematic. Agree. Yeah. But that's also not, I believe, the solution no. to ending violence. No, that's just part of it. It's I think that's just part of being better as a society but is like ending like toxic masculinity and like this like kind of ex- expectations towards women and like kind of this discrimination. I understand we'll never be able to fully like extinguish the hatred because that's just part of society and part of people is that we hate. But I feel like that is a way to help. And unfortunately, again, with all of the discussion about internet and social media... That makes it easier. That's making a lot of that worse. Mm -hmm. People are feeling more us versus them. Yeah. More like... Circle versus squares. Yeah. Circle versus squares. Yeah. So so you want to plan something that gives people an opportunity to talk about how they feel. Not just teens, but adults, too. Because I understand that adults have things to say too. I guess the first piece I'm looking for is do you have some kind of an action item um, 
or are you really just looking to provide kind of community support for the way that everyone feels? What do you mean by action item? I don't know, like, the definition of... Well, like, is there some kind of political action you're trying to get out of it, or are you really just looking to, to hug the community? And I'm looking to kind of do both, because I, I have a lot to say, and I feel like if... I feel like other people do, too. Mm-hmm. I know people that have so much to say, and, like... They don't feel like social media and, like, podcasting and writing papers is getting it out there enough. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's a hard thing to feel is that, like, you're just useless. And Mm -hmm. you just sit around and do nothing because you don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And that's a terrible feeling. And I understand that feeling. And so I feel like I almost want, like, a city hall thing. where town hall? Yeah, whatever. Town hall thing where, like... It's, it's like a come-if-you-want-to thing where it's like kids get together and talk about how they feel and, like, I guess kind of, like, speak about it. And, like, I... This sounds... I don't know if this sounds shallow, but I want, like, reporters to be there and, like, cameras to well, be there. So you can't necessarily I, I can't, make I that know. happen. But um, I, I want something that gets out how we're feeling and how angry we are about this and how upset we are and how done we are with Mm -hmm. this because I feel like there's this easy mindset that a lot of people take that's, oh, teens just aren't listening, they don't care, but Mm -hmm. I want people to know that we care. Okay, so how about this? How about if you plan an event where it's like an open mic event where anyone who wants can either talk yeah or read something that they've written yeah or share their artwork and then they can bring artwork mm-hmm. or bring their written work yeah and they can lay it all out on a table and of the people who come to the event they could purchase any of those things, but basically the people who bring that work will bring it and they will donate it to the event. Yeah. And then people can purchase those things for whatever, either whatever price they want yeah. or whatever, and then take that home with them and whatever money comes out of that event could be donated to Women's March or to March for Our Lives. Or victims. Or, yeah, um, yeah, or victims Kickstarters. Mm-hmm. Basically to that cause yeah and you would decide before the before the event what what you would be donating it to and then once you set that event up so you'd need to figure out where to hold it yeah you'd need to figure out how to get the word out because i mean social media is great i'm sure you could also put something on west seattle blog i'm sure that you could i'm sure that you could do a bit with it um to get it out there and you absolutely could send something to the different local networks and let them know you're trying to do this and that you would love to have other people there. You know, it'd be so cool. Like, this is, like, ideal situation is if we got the place where Amanda Palmer did a show. See, mm, that's no, too big, those right? are venues. You pay money for those. Yeah. So there are really, what I see is, I see there being two potential venues mm-hmm. for a thing like that. Cafeteria at school. At the school. Or something like CNP Coffee, yeah, some little like local place. Mm-hmm. Um, because my concern about cafeteria at the school is, do you think you can fill it? Yeah. If you think you can fill it, then because I, I don't want it to necessarily just be kids from my school. I want it to be kids from other schools too. Sure, but how are you going to get that word out? I don't know. 
So is this something you'd want to plan by yourself, or do you have friends who you who I would want to help you plan it? I 100% have friends that would help me plan this sort of thing. Well, so who, who would you talk to at the school about using the cafeteria? Probably the principal. What I would do is get your plan together. So plan I could also speak to the ASB leaders. You could, absolutely. People in the ASB. Absolutely. Yeah. And they could really help you get your word out. Oh, yeah. Like, Henry, no doubt he could help me with that sort of thing. And, like, they're, like, people that I don't necessarily know, but I could talk to them about it anyway. So what I would do is write out your whole plan, everything you can think of that you mm-hmm. want to plan and that you want to do. Then from there, you'd want to figure out also who... Student Senate, I could do that, too, since I'm part of that. Who is going to help you? Yeah. Like, who is going to actually actually put this event on with you and help you plan it? I'm sure that we could get things, like, we could get somebody local to donate coffee for mm-hmm. the event. So oh, so you would definitely coffee. do it. So, you know, if you put some thought into it, put a plan together, and then show up at school on Monday with your plan in place, like, everything in your hand and talk to them like this is a thing you want to do and you just need a place to do it and and a megaphone to get your volume up Uh, you can absolutely make this happen but you're gonna have to do it i think you're really good at having ideas and having plans but then i let them slip out of my fingers you often just kind of yeah kind of let them go yeah so this is something you can do you can absolutely do this and even if worst case scenario is that nobody but just your friends shows up yeah and as much as that's not what you want if you did that and just you and your friends were able to do you think i could reach out to pathfinder about this sort of thing too absolutely absolutely oh yeah since i have like a really good relationship with david i think you should absolutely once but for the thing is step one is getting a place yeah getting a place yeah a plan and a place a place because you you, once you have a place and a date then you can get the word out as much as you want but you have to you have to have a place because you can't tell people about the event unless you have a place and yeah. but if you have that and you go and you tell David and Lisa that you're doing this and that you really would love Pathfinder kids to be represented yeah and in fact if you should I don't think for a minute you're going to go to West Seattle High and they're going to be like no you no. can't use the cafeteria for this but if I but then it, I could go to David and Lisa and you be like could hey guys. absolutely ask about using Pathfinder as yeah. well but I think West and that Seattle's, stage would be nice that's true if people did want to get up and speak. Well, what I would love to do is have cupcakes. Oh, yeah. Because um, we have a thing that we do here at work where we say when bad things happen and you go around and you give cupcakes to everybody, yeah. that it just kind of changes things. Well, yeah. I want cupcakes. No, so stop. It, how about this? Don't be silly. You actually make the plan, build the plan, Ooh. get it, make it into a real thing. Yeah. And uh, your dad and I, as Arcade will help you get cupcakes to your event. Yeah, sponsor us. Yeah, well, whether we probably would be some amount of us buying cupcakes and some amount of us getting somebody to, you know, give us a a break on the cupcakes for the event. Yeah. Whether it be a local place or because giving cupcakes, that's kind of a a way of building community. It's kind of a shorthand for building community. So the idea, when when I had the day that I wrote about in my article, Mm -hmm. I wanted to show up at your school with a box of cupcakes. Yeah. And just come in at your lunch and just give away cupcakes. Oh, that would lit. It would have been, but you know why I didn't do it? This is you didn't want to embarrass me? Not at all, because I, you really, I, I know you. You really think it would embarrass you if I showed up with a bunch of cupcakes for all your friends? Yes. <gasps> no. <laughs> You'd be like, my mom is lit. No. Um, because I knew that, like, what, 
24 cupcakes doesn't go very far. No. And that's like something like $60 worth of cupcakes Yeah. the cupcake shop. So There's like 300 freshmen. Right. Freshmen. So there was, I just didn't have the, uh, the reach in terms of cupcakes. Yeah. But... If you set your event up, then I will I will take that on. I will I will see to it that there is food and drink at the event. That I will yeah. I will do that for you. Okay. So there. An idea was just born into the world. <laughs> Merry Christmas. And we'll be podcasting again next week and you will be able to hear either how the idea is coming along or that Cadence let it die on the vine. <laughs> Don't let it die, you loser. I'm just saying that's a good motivator. Yeah. What are we at? I want to go text my friends about this. <laughs> We're at about an hour fifteen. We okay. have plenty of time. I yelled at the mic for a lot of it. It's okay. That's what this was for. So you can find this podcast, uh, Coffee with My Mom, on iTunes, on. Stitcher on TuneIn, pretty much any place that... Did SoundCloud stop doing podcasts? No. Uh, SoundCloud is actually a, a podcast hosting service. Oh, okay. Never mind. So it's not a directory you can submit to. So because we don't host through SoundCloud, we can't be on SoundCloud. However, Thanks, SoundCloud. However, I did... Let's just get sued. <laughs> no. I did submit our podcast to Spotify. Ooh. So I haven't heard back yet, but... <laughs> Ooh-wee! <laughs> chances are will show up there before long. Yeah. So expanding our reach all the time. Uh, but you can also find us at www.marysturgeon.net forward slash coffee with my mom. You can find me on Twitter at Mary underscore Sturgeon. And you can also find me on Instagram. I made her an Instagram account. That Cadence made for me. You're welcome. At... Mary underscore techno mom. There it is. Mary underscore. I didn't even know what it was. Mary <laughs> underscore techno mom. She posts updates. She posts updates about um, the podcast and sometimes selfies, and then I tell her she needs to fix her lighting. You can find me at beat underscore fish on Instagram. I post poetry, art, photography, selfies of my hot self. And now she pushes her upcoming event there. I will. This podcast, this podcast has been heavy. Yeah. There's been crying. It's been a difficult podcast. So Anything. I want each of you, to, for the end of the show, I want each of you to tell me one happy thing from today or recently. I had a sleepover with my, possibly my best friend at this moment in time. Um, best friends are always shifting. No, Emma might be my best friend. She's been my best friend for a while. But um, I had a sleepover, and, like, we not only talked about social issues, but we also talked about, like, our music career. <laughs> and we uh, put on too much makeup. Yeah, I might have stained my face up a bit. <laughs> um, but we had a good time, and it was fun. And, and here's why that's happy news for me, because it means that even though there's a lot of messed up stuff going on that's making you be... Worried about things you shouldn't be worrying about. You're also being a kid, doing very 15 year old things. <laughs> yeah. So how about you? What's one happy thing from you? Darwin's never happy. He's an emo me. 
Got my computer working again. Yeah, so you have your computer working again. Too bad you don't have something like a, a YouTube channel that you might want to make videos for, huh? Oh well. <laughs> oh, we gotta make it Okay, weird. so my one good thing is that I started a new coding class and I am now learning about using JavaScript to God, build. this is why you don't have any friends. Hey, I didn't do that during your happy thing. Please. How many coding classes have you been to? If you want to be a coder, you got to take a lot of coding classes. Yeah, and you never one. really stop taking coding classes. Yeah, but I'm taking a really super fun one right now. Yeah. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just and, kidding. And so I'm, I am on the, at the beginning of the second week of the program, and I've done my projects through week four. Freaking nerd. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm happy. All right. So stay tuned for outtakes. Really? If we have them. We probably have some outtakes. Probably. I said some pretty silly stuff. Let's end on a happy note. Nenchies. <laughs> no Nenchies. Well, eat your sadness away. Yeah, brother. I'm not going to eat our feelings. Damn it. But you don't your feelings is fine. Says you, you twig. I'm putting on some pounds. You're really not. That's a coat. <laughs> <laughs>